Hey, this podcast podcast episode is brought to you by Used to Go to Church. You know, life can often be brutal, unjust, and fraught with emotional trauma. As a first responder chaplain for nearly 25 years, author Nick Felicities has experienced countless scenes of unbearable grief and pain. When asking the brokenhearted, do you have a faith to help you through? The response in some form is almost always, well, we used to go to church. Blending firsthand accounts of tragedy with opportunity for raw self-examination and reflection, in his book, Used to Go to Church, Felicities delves into the realm of spirituality and belief amid loss and despair. For the spiritual but not religious who want to pursue God outside the walls of organized religion, Used to Go to Church is an invitation to rethink faith and open up to a life centered on grace, mercy, and love. Now, whether you are religious, non-religious, Christian, or agnostic, churchgoer, or church lever, the person who is starting with page one of Used to Go to Church will not be the same person who finishes the last sentence. Available on Amazon in all formats, visit Nick's blog at usedtogotochurch.com. Hey, heathens, you're listening to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lola. And I'm Lacey. And this shit is ghastly. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me, life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth. Ghastly. Ghastly? <laughs> Ghastly. One of those things. <laughs> we don't know how to say it right, but that's what this is. That's just ghastly. This is a, this is, yeah. I don't even, I don't even know how have, have words for today's episode. Yeah, you know about it. I hate that. <laughs> I do know about it, but it's been a really long time, so I Good. don't remember the ins and outs. Did you just watch the episode or did you like go into detail with it? I think I watched the episode. Uh, I don't, I didn't go into detail. No. Oh, okay. Well, the episode honestly doesn't encase all of the... Well, shit, I'm in for a surprise then. I just know the topics, which basically everybody will know the topics once we hit the trigger warnings, so... (laughs) Yes, Uh, trigger warnings before we begin. Incest, sexual abuse, physical abuse, scary blood ritual, weird things, murder, and infant slash child abuse. Ooh, Uh, I didn't know about all of those. If you need to opt out, that's fine. Yeah, incest, just we're going to say that one again. (sighs) Because <sighs> incest is probably, I had to list it first because it's like the ingredients, you know, it's like that's it the really one is. that's the major overtone yeah. for this whole thing. People are gross. Does it not just like inherently feel wrong? I don't know how it doesn't. I literally don't know how that doesn't feel absolutely disgusting to everybody involved. Unless your family operated like that your whole life, like, a generation after generation kind of thing, and it's just normalized. You'd think, which spoiler yeah. alert, that never happened beforehand in this guy's yes. life. So, but there is there is that family that lives up in. I think they live in the App- Appalachian Mountains. Somewhere. Oh, I know who you're talking and about. They're like a whole bunch of incest family, like, and that is definitely one of those situations where it was just like bred from generation to generation, and this was highly normalized. The outside world was something they did not come into contact with, societal norms, expectations, standards, like none of that was part of their lives. But when that is a part of your life, like there's something really fucked up in there (gasps) if that's your go-to. Yeah. And you're attracted. I just... Don't say attracted. It's just everything about it is bad. Everything about it is bad. All the way around. Ghastly. Ghastly. Heads up, I'm also taking some like quotes and storytelling from Charles, which is one of the kids, not, well, yeah, it's one of the kids from the Sexton family. So one of Eddie's children. Okay. So 
from the interview on Evil Lives Here, which you can find on YouTube if you don't subscribe oh, okay. to other things. It's free on YouTube. So, okay, cool. We can link that. Are you ready for story yeah, time? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm story let's, time. Let's do this. Okay. Eddie Lee Sexton. You will want, if you're going to Google this guy, you got to put in Lee, Eddie Lee Sexton, because otherwise you're going to get this guy that was in Alabama. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> it's not relevant. Whatever. Yeah. Eddie Lee Sexton was born on May 12th, 1942, and grew up in Logan, West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd enjoy that. I I did. I highly enjoyed that. Thank you. Um, His dad was a part-time Baptist preacher. I don't have much more info on his dad than that because his dad died when he turned 10. Oh, shit. So I don't have much information on that. His mom, I have absolutely nothing on her except for she had 10 kids. Eddie was the youngest of the 10. And shortly after his dad had died when he was 10, his mom had, I think it was like a severe stroke that caused her to be (gasps) really like impaired, disabled in a lot of different ways. Oh my Um, gosh. So the kids had to start working for the family. That's hard. And if it's a, yeah. if it's like a, there's a spectrum of the, like severity of strokes. And if you True. have a decently sized stroke, it can literally leave parts of your body paralyzed. And when you mm-hmm. have a stroke, it literally kills portions of your brain. For sure. And For it sure. doesn't, you it doesn't recuperate. So like re- regenerate or something. Yeah. My cousin had a stroke when she was like 30, I think. And she, thankfully, like she can speak and everything and she didn't really lose any any type of function long-term. She did in the moment when it happened, but she's one of the lucky ones. Um, but she has to constantly take medications mm-hmm. even though she's not had any other like stroke symptoms or whatever. Like the rest of your life, you have to be treated as a stroke victim. It's Insane. Yep. That's it's, my sister. My sister had one on New Year's Day. Oh my god! Of twenty twenty three. Yeah. And hers wasn't super bad. She. It took her a while, a little bit to recover. How old is she? So she is early, early forties. My God, they keep happening earlier and yeah. earlier. See, strokes don't know age or gender or anything. They don't care. Know the signs of a stroke. And she's a nurse. Like, okay, if she, she's, oh. if she listens to this, I love her. But like nurses make the worst patients and she will admit to that. <laughs> she's like, I mean, slurring, faces like drooping. And her partner was like, we're going to the hospital. And she's like, I'm fine. Oh my <laughs> like, God. Yeah. I know. Everything's fine. I can't smile with half of my face, but everything's mm-hmm. fine. But oh that's what God. happens when you are parentified and you're the one that takes care of everybody growing up. True. You end up, putting yourself last and that's what she's Very done. True. But anyways, so mom's had a stroke and she's now out of commission. The kids are working. Yeah, she can't work. She can't even really take care of the kids very well. So uh, from what I gather, the kids took care of themselves and they were, the older ones would work, but all of them eventually would end up working except for Eddie. Nuh-uh. He never had to. Never ever. Because he was the baby, right? Yeah, he was the baby. So, I mean, Mm. granted, he was the youngest and like, you know, you don't want your littlest kid. But he's also like 12. Like if this happened to her a couple of years after he died, he's 12. Like he could have done something. 
He could, yeah, he definitely could have. Yeah. Pick up sticks in somebody's yard for cash. Right, I don't right. know. Mow a lawn. You're 12. Exactly. So, whatever. The family eventually moved to Ohio. So, they were in West Virginia, moved to Ohio. And Eddie was like, his childhood was normal. He was charming and polite. He was athletic. Um, everything seemed good on the surface. Um, I did... This is all alleged, but his brothers, David and Otis, later testified that they had a very poverty-stricken childhood, and they alleged a lot of sexual abuse from each other and other figures in the family. So that was never confirmed, to my knowledge, but it would kind of make sense. It would kind of track with how Eddie's life goes from here. So, yeah, outside looking, it's pretty normal, but other things behind the scenes probably weren't so great. Well, Eddie joined the Army when he graduated high school, but didn't even make it through basic training. It was too <laughs> hard. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Um, Poor thing. <laughs> so, in 1965, he was 23. He was uh, arrested and convicted of armed robbery. Okay. He robbed banks. Banks. Thanks. I think wow. it was two. Yeah. He really was lazy. He was not going to get a job. <laughs> Say more, honestly. Well, I'll just rob the banks. That's easier. <laughs> no biggie. Yeah. Uh, he served the small prison sentence, like three to five, whatever. Okay. Once he was released, he met Estella May. What a cute name is that? I was firstly. just about to say, I love this name. Estella May. Like, Estella it May. sounds... It's beautiful. I love that name. That's a timeless name. And I'm kind of jealous. I agree. Can you name your kid that? Because I'm not having any more kids. So like, <laughs> can I vicariously? <laughs> I don't know if I should after this case. I oh, don't know. Shit. Never mind. Yeah, I know, right? I had to remember what we're talking about. Just I know. kidding. Scratch that. Uh, if your name is Estella May, I know that you don't have the same reputation as this Estella May, though. At least we're going to hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. So he met Estella May. And they got married, and they had 12 kids together. Good Lord. Okay, we are just repeating the large family dynamic. All right. So many kids. How how does your vagina do that? I just have to ask. Good question. I've had three, and like, yes, it goes back to normal afterwards, but like, it's never the same. But at what cost? Your uterus, like, okay, I don't know if this is real, but my biological mother would say something like, my uterus is falling out, or like, my uterus feels like it's falling. Yes, it can happen. And the only reason that I know that is because I had tailbone pain after Uh I had my kids and I had to go get physical therapy on my tailbone. (sighs) Yeah, they they literally have to go up in you. I swear, I'm just telling everything on the internet. This is an explicit (laughs) podcast. (laughs) They have to like, that's the only way to adjust and stretch out that bone. It's very awkward. Me and that girl got real tight after having a couple kids. But on the picture in front of me, there's literally a uterus coming out, like a diagram. And I was oh. like, what the fuck is happening? She goes, oh, that woman's uterus is coming out. And I was like, "Great, what? Yeah, it can happen. That is possible. Great. Do your Kegels, ladies. Do your Kegels. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 12 kids. 12 kids. <laughs> I only got some of the names. These are in order. Of age, Eddie Lee Jr. Estella had a child outside of their marriage. Don't know when oh. that was, but 
not like cheating, but like whatever, like previous child kind of thing. Oh. Like, I don't know if she's previously married or if it just like, I don't know. But okay. his name is Patrick. So he's not Eddie's son, but okay. he is Estella's. But hold on, I'm confused. Eddie Jr. was born before this kid? Oh, that's a good question. <gasps> oh, God. That's what I was like, wait. Unless that's someone, hold on. Unless, unless that was documented, like, wrong. wrong. And maybe, like, they're maybe around the same age. Maybe Patrick's a touch older. I don't know. Yeah. A touch. <laughs> a touch. A tidge. Interesting. I don't okay. know. I'm like, wait. That, that does not. Question. That <laughs> detail was, did not dawn I, on me. Very, I was trying to like connect the dots in my head. I'm and I so was sorry. Like, yeah. That does not work out. Well, let's say Patrick, Eddie Lee Jr. There you go. Stella, William, Sherry, Michelle, Charles, James, Matthew, Christopher, Lana, and Kimberly. Very normal names. Just Pretty normal, yeah. Plain Jane family is what it sounds like. Yeah, so, you know, after he got married and he was becoming a father rather quickly, <laughs> with lots of them, they were popping him out, he had to start making some more dough. So, yeah, it kind of takes that to raise a family. You know, to keep him alive, as the law requires. <laughs> so, Eddie started scamming people. Oh, that's the next logical step from... Robbing banks. Rob a bank, scam people. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. He would like get a job somewhere and he would file phony workers' comp suits. Okay. Can we just talk about how much work it takes to actually scam and how much research and how many things you have to do? Remember, this is the 60s though. Oh, that is true. 60s, 70s. You could get away with it a little bit easier. It, it was less paperwork. It was less red tape for a lot of those yeah, I guess kind of so. scams. Okay. I'm thinking about nowadays. Yeah, you're right. I know. Now it's very hard to do that. He could also roll himself around in a wheelchair for like 20-something years. <laughs> I mean, he would stand up out of it when he was hauling his kids and, and shit. But like, if they went out in public, he'd be like, get my wheelchair. <laughs> <You know>? No. <laughs> I shit you not. And he would claim disability for this. Oh my for years, God. like he I really said, around twenty is years. A lazy man, like he would very. He would scam insurance, government, whatever. As long as he could get paid, he was gonna do it. On top of that, if you think the wheelchair thing was bad, there were a lot of house fires for this family. Oh my God! Like a lot in every house that they lived in. You okay? I mean, red flag. Say more. I don't know how they didn't catch on to that. I was just about to say. Insurance scams alone. But, well, yeah. you know, maybe they thought, too, with that many kids in the house. I still. How many, how many fires have the Duggars had? They ain't had one. Well, they also controlled their children, like, well, militantly. Anyway. Kind of. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Oh. So yeah, his his kids and wife, they they knew that it was all fake, you know, but yeah. what are they going to do? So yeah, whatever. The kids start getting in trouble with neighbors, acting out at school, you know, like mm-hmm. how it happens when you have parents that maybe are not super invested in you and are yeah. invested in scamming and doing that kind of shit. Right. So people like in general thought something wasn't quite right with this family. 
Makes sense. Even though the, everyone believed his disabilities and stuff, they were just like, hmm, something's happening at that house. Something's yeah. weird. The but, vibes were off. Yeah, the vibes were off for sure. But, you know, scamming wasn't his only career. He also was an ordained minister. No, the fuck he was not. I forgot yes. that. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> and he would marry so many couples. So many. Oh, my gosh. It was a lot. Can you imagine, like, after all of this came out and then, like, you're one of those couples? I was like... I thought about them immediately. He married us. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Did he curse our marriage? I know, right? For any of the ones that got divorced, but it was like, oh, okay, that's why it That makes sense. <laughs> yep. That tracks. It wasn't us, honey. <laughs> <laughs> we were cursed. <sighs> so he was like super well-known in his community and he would marry people right outside their home. And he would have Estella May to like make food for the family and have the reception at their house. It was like a whole thing. He would do the ceremony. In all honesty, that's super cute. That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, on the surface. What a good package. You pay him to marry you. And then Estella May gets gets together this awesome food and makes a cake. And right. If you just if you just stop there, it's, it's a beautiful story. We can't stop here. We can't. I know. I know. <laughs> but he he maintained that presence of like a really polite religious man in the community. People were like, okay, we can we can vibe with it. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird, but we can vibe with you. And people who are like highly religious, like no offense, but you do have kind of like a weird vibe about you and your home. <laughs> are you talking about the Jehovah's Witness that come to your front door and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Those like freak me out. We have too many serial killers. We have too many serial killers in the U.S. for you to become knocking on my door if I don't know you. And okay? you're all white disgruntled men. Yeah, go go away. But if you're highly religious, and I think from an outsider looking in, they could be like, oh, he's kind of highly religious. That can kind of... He's just a trusted person because of his like religious standing. And he's probably really personable. I mean, like I said before, growing up, he was charming. He was polite. I highly doubt things are different now with him. You know, he's just... Well, you said people notice like, Something was off in the family. Something was off Something because was his off. kids are acting out and things are just like not really. Maybe maybe there was like a weird interaction between him and Estella May at the supermarket one day and they were like, Yeah. I just wonder if it was like some people yeah. looking at it like, oh, he's really highly religious and he just takes it a little too far. And that's probably what it is. And they 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 write it off with that in their own heads. True. Very possible. Yeah. Just a guess. Yeah. When the kids got a little older, like 10 mm-hmm. or so, Charles, which is one of the kids, he talks about one of his brothers and him were in their bedroom one night going to bed and they saw a scary beast outside of their window. And it, it was like dressed in black and like weird. Like it what? it looked scary to them. It was just yeah. scary. Um. so they both freaked out and like called for their mom and she was like what's happening and came in there and tried to comfort them and then Eddie comes in the room and they're like dad this is what we saw outside the window and like it had tapped on the window at them and everything it was like super freaky and he told them what they saw was the devil 
and the devil wanted them and was coming after them. Oh, so my he God. said, if you do everything I tell you to do and you like say the things that I tell you to say, you will be safe. You'll be fine. So don't worry about it. Okay. You just listen to dad. Oh, so my God. That like gave them comfort in the moment and they love their dad. So they were like, yeah, okay. We'll just believe dad. That is some high class manipulation right there. Especially when you know that he was the figure that dressed up and tapped on their window. Uh-huh. Little fucker. Like, how weird. How? I know. What a freaky tactic. Like, I don't know. You're just sitting there like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. This and is you just the, come up with that idea? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This sounds okay. like a good way to earn my kids' trust. Convince them a devil is outside their window coming to get them, Mm -hmm. and I will save them from all things. Yeah. So as you can tell, he's kind of driving the religious stuff kind of hard. Yeah. Well, it's getting worse. As they age, it's getting worse. So he starts to do, like, occult practices. Oh, my God. not in the Christian vein, necessarily. No. He's veering very hard left. It's going, it's going past pagan though. Yeah. Where it's like, it's going to a different darker place. I don't know. Yeah. So he would hold like religious sermons and ceremonies with his family alone. Mm -hmm. So like they didn't go to church anymore. So he was an ordained minister just like on his own. He didn't preach anywhere. He just married people and like, you know, taught people on the on the side kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, he, and he wasn't established somewhere. Okay. And the family wasn't a part of a congregation, like no. just as a They member. may have been like when the kids were younger, but at this point in time, nothing. No, okay. Not at all. So like the church services that they have are in their house are like just with them, just okay. with their family members kind of thing. Okay. They didn't go to church. They, they were church kind of thing. Yeah. So Charles, the son I was speaking of before, remembers when his dad's face began to just like change to that oh darker gosh. place. Not sure what was happening like within Eddie's mind, marriage, whatever. Because yeah. you got to know something has shifted to make him so weird. <laughs> right. And we just don't know what it was. That did that. No, yeah. Yeah, unsure of that. So he says he remembers them like walking through some garden and there was a statue of Jesus um, with like praying hands. Mm -hmm. And he said that his dad just like chopped off the hands. Like he brought like an ax out there and cut off the hands and said like, God can't help any of you. I am God. I am the way. You need to pray to me. If you're going to be afraid of anyone, be afraid of me. My word is law. Like, I am God now. Holy shit. Hard, hard 180. (laughs) What I, uh, he's off. He's off the planet. He's off the road. He's out into another universe. Wow. Say more. I, yeah, I don't, I wish we had more information on the change here? Yeah, like what happened? I have questions. But obviously his kids aren't going to know because like they didn't talk to him like that. Right. You know? And uh, spoiler alert, both Estella and him are dead. 
Mm. They, you know. Okay. So we can't ask them questions. No, we can't. It's all just kind of weird. Oh, I forgot there's a trigger warning for animal abuse. Did I say that before? No, you did not. Dang it. But okay. that's okay. Well, that's at okay. this point, before I share it, let me just go ahead and say, trigger warning, animal abuse, we're about to get into. Oh, shit. So if you need to go away now, that's fine. Love you, bye. <laughs> Love you, bye. So Charles goes on to say, like, he's angry with God. He's saying that he is God, whatever. So he remembers one evening the family was gathered around the kitchen table and there's like a bunch of candles everywhere. And there's a pentagram in the, like, drawn in the middle of their dining room table. Oh, no. And there's like a a cloth covering something on the table. Oh, my God. And he, they didn't know what was under there. And his dad was like, okay, we all have to join hands now. And um, you're going to listen to what I have to say and do what I tell you to do. So... <sighs> He lifts the thing off of the, it lifts the, the, the cover off of the thing. The thing is their, their beloved house cat. No. Unfortunately. And it's dead. It is dead. It is dead. She was very stiff from what he had said. Oh my God. His father killed the cat. And then, so in front of everyone, he picks up the cat. He slits its throat. And he has like this chalice. No. Mm-mm. 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 Wherever you think it's going, it's going there. So he holds the chalice up to the slit throat and drains as much blood out as he can. And then he drinks from it and orders each of them to pass it around and drink from it. No, 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 no. No. Ghastly. I can't. It Not only is it gross, but like, that there are so many dangers to drinking blood. Animal. Yeah. Especially a, a, an animal. They lick their own shit. Okay. <laughs> Why are you drinking their blood? I, uh-uh. uh-uh. Horrible. And just think of the kids, their house cat that like they had probably pet earlier that day or like slept with, you know, it's like. And they're, now they're drinking its blood. How confusing and scary oh. is that? What year are we in right now? We're in the mid-70s. Okay. So this is still even like just on the cusp of of, uh, satanic panic. So like satanic panic hasn't really taken off yet. So he was ahead of his time and not in a good way. Where'd you get a fucking chalice? <laughs> anyway, I know, right? I'm thinking about that fucking chalice. Because, uh, like, what an extra goth thing to do. I know, He's right? just, like, he's in his emo phase, but, like, in the worst way possible. In the worst, worst Most way. unhealthy. Ugh. Well, Charles said that after that happened, they just, like, his dad cleaned up everything and said, don't speak of this to anybody outside this house ever again. And they never talked about it and... That was it. Like, they act like nothing had happened, including Estella May. The mom. Because, uh, yeah, I was going to say, if you're wondering about her and, like, why she didn't step in and be like, hey, don't do this in front of our kids, or, like, what is this? The cat, what is happening? She just, like, didn't say anything, didn't do anything. Yeah. Wow. Whatever. Do Do we know if they were physically beaten? Like, abused, physically abused? Yeah. They, yeah. Okay. Do we know if she was? 
It's not really confirmed. Okay. It's not much of a leap. I'm assuming, I'll get into it a little bit later on. Okay, we'll okay. about something okay. else. I will say that Charles says in the interview, he believes that his mother was just a victim like the rest of them. So mm-hmm. do with that what you will. I can see that. He said that he was never mad at her kind of thing, but he he didn't understand a lot of like her actions, but he didn't blame her necessarily. I can I can see in that situation, especially with it being in the 70s, for a woman with that many children, yeah. what are your options? So how true. how do you get away and 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 stay safe, you and all of your kids? What kind I don't know what kind of options were available. Not only that, I mean, she's probably scared out of her brains too, with him like kind of going off the rails with religion and like doing these weird practices. You don't know what happened mm-hmm. in their bedroom, you know? Yeah. Like it could have gotten so much worse uh, behind closed doors than any of us know. So, oh. yeah. Super gross. Moving on. Oh, it's not going to get better. Charles said uh, that his father didn't allow any of his daughters to talk to anybody, especially like men, boys, mm-hmm. whatever. So he told his sons, he was like, you have to keep an eye on the girls anywhere they're at. And if you see them talking to anybody, you report it back to me. And that's that. And like, the boys thought they were doing a good thing. They thought they were protecting their sisters and obeying their father. Like, they thought this was normal and safe kind of thing. So, um, Charles actually said that one of his sisters, he reported, it was, she was talking to a teacher or something. I think about a grade. I don't know. Or like a book. And it was super harmless, but he reported it to his dad. And he said that day she got beaten so bad and he could hear screaming from like the outside of the room. And he said, I just like couldn't oh walk gosh. away because I, I felt so guilty and I knew what I had done was wrong then. And I don't think he reported any of his sisters after that, you know? Yeah. But like they didn't realize what was going to happen to their sisters and that their sisters would be blamed for that kind of interaction. Oh my gosh. Just for talking to another right? guy. And it's like, oh. don't you have to interact with some people? You know, like... Especially when you're in school. Exactly. Like, you don't really and have an like, option. At the time, too, a lot of educators are men. Uh-huh. It's a Get lose-lose situation. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> y- yeah, you're fucked either way. This was not the only type of abuse that the girls endured, unfortunately. I'm about to get into some sexual assault and rape, so if you need to back out now, bye, love you. Mm, Have a good day. (laughs) Have a good day. Drink some water. Charles said that he and his brother, Willie, had actually caught um, his sister, Pixie, being raped by their father. Oh, my God. They caught it when she was like, I think she was 14 when it started. Oh, my gosh. And then he, he said that, like, Pixie was his favorite of the girls, and he would have sex with her so much. Ew. Ew. Well, Pixie actually was, like, in love with him. Yeah. This is not her fault. Yeah, I can Super see common, because she's going through puberty. I was going to say, and you're so vulnerable at the age of 14. So fucking vulnerable. And exactly. then you add religious shit on top mm-hmm. of it. 
She didn't and have a trusted chance. adult figure. Yeah. That she probably admired, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not Pixie's fault that any of this happened to her mm-hmm. um, or even falling in love with someone Mm-mm. that she wasn't supposed to fall in love with. It was yeah. just part of this whole, like, grooming process. And mm-hmm. even if she says or, like, anyone says it was consensual, it was rape every time. Yeah, it can't be consensual, especially nope. when there is that, that large of an imbalance of power mm-hmm. and they're related. Like, it's her father. <laughs> Period. Like, you can't, uh, no. See, <laughs> my dad will only give me a side hug. Like, that's how far yeah. away from, like, this feels so far removed from me. It's very odd. I can't. Super gross, but this goes on for years. So um, I believe that Pixie is around 16. Okay. 16, I think. When Charles said that one evening, all the family was like in the living room. They did this thing where they would like, his mom would turn on a record and they would all dance together. And he said it just felt like nothing bad was happening and dad couldn't hurt them. And it was just like a good time. They would all dance together and sing. And... So they were all doing that, and uh, Pixie enters the room in a, like, white dress with a veil. Um, what? And, like, she's not saying anything. She's, like, smiling. She's, like, really happy. And so she, like, walks to a corner of the room or something, and then behind her comes Eddie, and he is, like, also wearing, like, something nice, and Uh -uh. he has a Bible, and... Uh Uh-uh. Everyone just kind of stops, like, what is happening? And Estella May is, like, frozen. Right. And he marries his daughter to himself right there in front of all of them. I, what? I I have no words. They didn't either. They were all, like, shocked. But they said that Pixie was so happy and he was so happy and it was just so weird and it was so fucked up. That's so fucked up. I mean, 12 layers of fucked up. So confusing Uh for all of them because it's like, is she our mom or sister or what is this? Like, (laughs) what does this mean? No, 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 no. And (laughs) Estella May is just like in the corner, shocked, not saying a word. She doesn't say a word the entire time or after. She just like, yeah, my brain would have been on the room. Like, I would not know how to compute what I was seeing. Not at all. Not at all. So, um, Eddie Lee is actually said to have married three of his daughters. Ew. It keeps getting worse. Yeah. Oh, God. So. What is wrong with this man? So 11th grade, Pixie has a child. Oh, no. 11th grade, you'd probably be around 16, 17. Yeah. 12th grade, she has another child. Oh, my God. So she's 17, 18. And then she's pregnant again soon after graduating high school. Oh, my gosh. So that's three babies. Three babies. Wow. And everyone noticed a remarkable resemblance between not only Pixie, but also Eddie Lee. Ew. What did they tell people? Well, the school was like, what's happening here? So, you know, th- things were kind of kind of kicking up. You yeah. know, people were asking questions and like, uh, th- they would make s- like stupid Made up stories like, oh, somebody, yeah. some guy that she met at this camp or, so, I don't know, a date gone wrong. Like, it, it would just be a stupid excuse that you can't really track back because it's, right. it's in the 80s at this point. Right. 
um, 80s, 90s, whatever. Um, so when she's pregnant with the third, though, uh, things were things were different. Things were, the questions were pressing further. Yeah. So in January of 1992, Michelle, the one of the other daughters that was older, she's 18, she went to the high school's administrative office and she spilled the beans. Like she oh, was... fuck, Michelle. She got the principal and she was like, yo, I've been raped. I've been married off to my father. I got this happening at home. I've been beat. Like all this shit's happening to me. What are you going to do about it? Can you imagine being that principal? I think about that too. I'm like, Oh, fuck. Like, if you had suspicions beforehand, it's like the worst case scenario just rained down upon you. Yeah. You know? The worst. So, Oh, my God. Whatever you want to call it, CPS, DFS, whatever, stepped in to take her statements and do an investigation because Michelle was claiming that she was pregnant. <gasps> and the father was her father. So he he got another one of them pregnant? Uh, no, well, turns out she wasn't actually pregnant. She had suspicions oh. that she was pregnant. She wasn't really okay. Though. Okay. But not much could be done because she was 18. So even though she's still in high school, she had turned 18 and technically I'm that sorry. made her a consenting adult. Not with her father. I know. That's what That's I said. Still incests. God damn it, people. Okay. So social services is not doing. The, the most out here right now. But she, yeah. like, when they told her, like, we can't really do anything, she said, okay, wait, wait, wait. I have two other sisters that have children with my dad. And they're, like, 17, 16. Do something. Okay. So, Michelle's not giving up, you know? But Love still, that for you, girl. It's fucked that they said they couldn't do anything. I know! Say more. I, ugh. Ain't that just the way, idiots? So, um, <sighs> social services begins interviewing the kids but most of them did not talk, which is not surprising. Understandable. Yeah. They're scared. If you don't know what an abused child, like what their behavior will be like when it comes to authoritative figures, they have been coached most likely by their parents mm-hmm. to not speak to authorities or to give a rehearsed story mm-hmm. about whatever's happening in the house or whatever's happening with them and their body kind of thing. Yep. And if you think the abuse was bad prior to this, if they open their mouth, they know the abuse is going to be 10 times worse than anything they ever experienced. For sure. So the social workers actually began coining the phrase the sexton stare, which was born from Eddie threatening the kids about speaking to anybody about what happened at home. So the kids who were, you know, not speaking, they would just get this like thousand yard stare and not say anything. Oh my gosh. So, uh, red flag. <sighs> yeah. You can say a lot without saying anything. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Eventually, the kids who were minors were removed from the home at that time in the okay, hopes that good. it would help them, like, kind of get more details, get more comfortable talking with law enforcement. Michelle, even though she was 18, she was, um, and like the whole thing was kind of like whatever. They moved mm-hmm. her away. So, social services like helped her move away. Uh, okay. For her own safety, because with her being so, like, ready to talk about everything, um, she told them, like, he's going to want me dead. So, like, if you want anything else out of me, like, you're going to have to protect me pretty much. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they did that. No, yeah. I mean, it's the least, the least that could happen there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he would want her dead for this. So, Eddie Absolutely. realized that the pressures are coming in. You know, Pixie's 
got the third kids. That's already raising a bunch of suspicion. Michelle's spilling the beans. The kids are getting taken away. So he's like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. He goes into fixer mode, you know? Yep. He feels the walls closing in. Not even a month later. So it's February of 1992. So Michelle mm. reports this in January 1992. So in February. Okay. Eddie made the oldest daughter, Pixie, marry her boyfriend. That's right. She was allowed to have a boyfriend. I thought they weren't allowed to have boyfriends. Say more. Okay, but she is? Joel Good is his name. He was allowed to start coming around. Eddie liked him. I kind of think that Eddie, like, handpicked him for her in a lot of ways. So, like, he was very okay with them like hanging out being together going on dates everything was good because the brothers were like what the fuck's happening when they saw Joel coming to the house and he was like no it's good I'm good with your dad like it's fine I get it you know so weird I don't understand their dynamic what that was but yeah whatever so he marries Pixie to her boyfriend Joel Good so Eddie immediately puts Joel's name on all the birth certificates for her children so he takes himself oh. off and puts Joel's name on all of them. Well, that makes sense yeah. why he so, would want her to have a boyfriend. It's her third sure. cover story now. For sure. Gotcha. Joel and Pixie, they had wanted to get married anyway, but this just kind of like rushed mm-hmm. everything forward um, because of Michelle talking. They they had yeah. to quickly do this. Um, and uh, this is kind of a side note about Joel. His family was not too big on like, they, they didn't really like Pixie's family. They didn't like the Sextons. They just yeah. got a weird feeling from them in general. They didn't yeah. like Joel hanging out with them. Ditto. And two, this was not confirmed. And I I don't want anyone to like feel some type of way about Joel. But it was said that he was possibly like mentally impaired in some way. Okay. They would call it slow. I wouldn't call it that. Yeah. But everywhere that I read, it said he was slow. I don't, I don't agree with that. No. But he may have not taken certain social cues or um, into consideration. Yeah. He was vulnerable. He was a vulnerable. He was easily influenced, I think. Yeah. yeah. Especially, uh, you know, Eddie Sexton had him under his control, technically. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. So you said they took the younger kids out of the house. Had they already taken the younger kids out of the house at this point? Yes. Okay. But she was allowed to stay? In February area, they took them out. Okay. And so Pixie's allowed to stay? Yes. Okay. Because Pixie, I think, was 17 or 18. She had just turned 17 or 18. Okay. So she's getting on up there. So they took like the young, younger ones to try to get them to talk. Okay. Yeah. If they were under 16, they took them. Okay. Okay. So, when social services questioned, you know, who's the father, they were like, oh, it's Joel. And the kids were never tested to confirm DNA. Could they do that back then? I believe so at that time, yeah. Yeah. It was the 90s. Oh, well, yeah, we're in the 90s now. They could yeah. They could do s- simple DNA testing. Yeah, simple DNA. Yep, if we're in the 90s, yep, that would have been available. Yeah. Um, opportunity missed. And he convinces Joel, these are your kids. All three of them? Mm -hmm. When the fuck was he around for the other two? Joel had been kind of on and off with Pixie. Okay. 
So it didn't take much to convince him. So there's a little more to their story. And I don't know every single detail and I don't want to get it wrong. But like, I do know that they had met and they started getting close. And then they like started dating and they broke up and she had the first kid. And they did it again. And then they broke up and she had the second kid. Okay. So it's not hard. uh, It's not a hard stretch to be like... He's the dad. Okay. But they didn't look anything like Joel is the thing. No. They look just <laughs> like Eddie and Pixie. So He's like, okay. Whatever. <laughs> That's fine. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of backtracked on the whole, oh, it was some random dude she was with. Oh, it was whatever. Mm-hmm. They just kind of backtracked and we're like, oh, no, it was always yours. They're all yours all the time. Forever. These are yours. And Joel believed it, and he loved those kids. Oh, my God. That's so cute, but that's also so fucking sad that they took advantage of him like that. And Charles said that, like, Joel was too good for, like, all of this. He was too good for this life and, like, for Pixie, like, all of it. He said he was a good dude, and he just got, like, wrapped up in this stupid, stupid story And he really was madly in love with Pixie. That's why he always came back to her, you know, like, whatever she wanted, he was just, like, a willing participant. So, I just want to, like, go back in time and be like, I know. Shake him. (laughs) I know. Well, Uh. skipping back over to, you know, DFS, CPS, whatever, they're still on the hunt for information because they want to, they want to do something here. Mm-hmm. It's just that everyone's getting too old. Yeah. You know, they want to do something. So uh, they find Eddie's brother, Otis, who apparently is not getting along with Eddie at this time. Because Shocker. he says, Ot- Otis tells them, like, right off the bat, he's like, my two daughters babysat for Eddie's eldest kids once. And my daughters called me saying that Eddie had tied up the kids to a bed or in a closet and said, like, you can't untie them. Like, just watch them and make sure they don't move. (gasps) I came here to babysit, not play security guard. For sure. (gasps) No. Yeah. uh, I don't know if Onus reported this because there's no documentation if it was reported at all. He probably didn't. Many family members don't when it involves their own. Unfortunately. I feel like he probably called his brother and was like, what the fuck? And he's like, all in time, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, but Otis actually began like picketing and protesting right outside their home, demanding the arrest of both Estella and Eddie. Shut up. Because he had been suspicious for years that they had been abusing the kids. Right. Physically, sexually, everything. He was like, I feel like this is really happening. So... He was like gung-ho. Take him away. Picketing. I love that. <laughs> no joke. He was the real shit for sure. So the kids, you know, like I said, they were taken away. And they were starting to talk a little bit. Yeah. Now that they've been away for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. they said that they got whoopings. Hmm. Whoopings. What kind of whoopings? With a belt. They just said we got whooped with the belt until we were 16. And then... 16 and older, got a fist. Uh, That's not a whooping. And I don't even agree with the belt, but like... I don't agree with a whooping, a belt. Any Anytime you touch your kid and it's not in a 
selfless, unconditional, loving manner, you should go fuck yourself. I yeah. don't care. Mm-hmm. Break I that don't. cycle. Break that cycle. Research has been done. If you don't hit your spouse, you don't hit your kids. This is the hill I will die on. For sure. It's, yeah, I'll it die really with you. Is. Thank, thank we'll you. Go down. <laughs> <laughs> so, oddly enough, the kids taken from their parents still got to have contact with both parents on a regular basis. Why? So, like, the parents still have control. Why? Why? I don't know what the, like, I don't know if this was, like, legally they had to. I'm not sure. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, it's the 90s, so I'm not really sure. But I do know that, like, when kids are taken away from their parents, depending on the situation or the severity of the situation. They hadn't nailed them yet. So I'm thinking because they really yeah. didn't have a lot of like info already, they, it was mandatory for them to. Yeah, they had have no contact. other choice. At so. least that's what I'm going to tell myself because it makes my, makes me feel better. For sure, <laughs> for sure. Ohio in the 90s. If, if we got a police officer out there, come on. <laughs> that's not what's happening. So the parents obviously are dismissing all claims of abuse. Of course. Even though the daughter's uh, pixie Michelle and Sherry are stating clearly that Eddie had molested and raped them for years. Pixie's even saying that. Oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, yeah, we did it. So, like, has she kind of come out of her fog of like... No, Pixie is still like, things are right. Things are, this is how things are. Oh, I fucked him, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That poor child. Everything's so confusing because at any point you're like, are they with their parents or against them? And it's, you don't even want to put them in that position because like, it's your parent. And it's just like a weird thing. And I hate that they had to like pick sides and like deal with all the shit because you should be worrying about like college and a car and your high school sweetheart and other things like that. Having a childhood and teenage Hood, whatever. <laughs> yes, not not this fuckery. For sure. Yeah. Let's go back to the Sexton home. Okay. So we got one kid left there. His name is Willie. Willie is 22. Wow. Willie is also said to have probably had some type of mental disability. Very easily influenced. Very easily controlled. You said Willie's the last one left at the home? He's the only one left at home. Because Joel and Pixie moved away with their three children now. Okay, okay. Sherry moved away with her son. And Michelle, you know, like I said, she was moved away. She was moved away. and Okay, And like they're older, like Eddie Lee Jr. and Patrick, they had moved on like years before because they've got 12 kids. There's a lot of like age gaps happening. So they've been gone out of the house. So... You know, a lot of them are married and moved out. So, September of 1992. Okay. Estella! Why do I love her name? (laughs) I know. I love that you said it like that. Estella! (laughs) Estella went to the courthouse, and they were like, hey, we'll give your kids back, but you have to make Eddie move out. Because she was trying to make a case like, I'm not an abusive person. I need my children. You can't have them. I didn't do it. So... She's like, he's moved out. He said that he won't come back. And they're like, great, we're putting a court order in place so that he can't come back and we'll give you some of your kids back. So the court granted back Kimberly and Christopher, which are the two youngest at this time. 
These two kids also had never talked to DFS. So like they were silent the whole time. They never cracked. They're the tiniest ones. They're the most easily manipulated, you know? Oh, that's so sad. And also the court order, like that's just a piece of paper, just like a restraining order. Say more. It's not a gated off. Trust me, it doesn't do jack shit. Community or home. Yeah. So since they never talked to social services, nothing was corroborated with their abuse. So they kind of had to give them back, you know? Yeah. They also released Charlie to them, which was their 18-year-old son. He was actually put like in a foster home and he ran from the foster home. Like every time they tried to put him back, he would just run. And they were like, we're pretty sure he's going back to his parents. So we're just gonna let him. We're gonna release him back to you guys. Cause they the parents wouldn't say we know where he is. And they were like, We're pretty sure you guys know where he is and he's coming to you. So we're gonna release him back to you if you'll (sighs) get them get him back. So they're like, Yeah, we got him. But he's also 18. So like why he's 18. So like I don't know if he's like freshly 18 or like maybe 17 about to turn 18. Kind of thing. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. But yeah, the court suspected that they knew, the parents knew what was happening. So they were like, here you go. Take him back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he keeps running away. You can have him. <laughs> yeah. So Charlie says that every single night, Eddie is there. Every night. So Estella lied to the court. Not shocked. You were right. Just a piece of paper doesn't mean yeah. shit. So the whole moving away, not having contact with the kids is non-existent. Yeah. And Eddie is like, pissed as fuck about the court trying to put something in place, keeping him away from his kids. He's over it. He just, he didn't care about about the order. He didn't care about anything. Of course. He, he was in his home. He wanted all his kids there. He wanted control back. He began training his kids. Oh, God. You know how go. he didn't pass through basic training? Well, he took, <laughs> I guess, the first two weeks of it when they're like, do a bunch of push-ups. This is how you load a gun. Like, he took all that and was like, oh, I'm an ROTC. I, I know what to do. I, I know things. Yeah. So, oh, Eddie, you're so things. stupid. <laughs> but with like this and like, I'm assuming that he probably knows how to fight because like men just kind of learn how to fight with each other. He knows how to throw a punch. Okay. So well, he, he's been punching his kids for years. True. True. But he's like teaching them how to break it uh, like... What is this? Trachea? Yeah, your women. Yeah, he's teaching them how to like break a trachea and like some more like heavy, heavy level type of violence. Yeah, like take you out type. Yeah, like hit them in in one go and and have them down either unconscious or dead. So yeah, he starts training them with guns and hand-to-hand combat in order to kill people because he's like, the government's taking you away from me. They, They don't like that. I am God and that I am. Yeah, that's their problem. That's <laughs> that's that's their issue with you there, Eddie. They think that I'm abusing you and it's not real and you're my wives and you belong with me and like, oh, you're my kids. Stop it's saying just, that. It's so gross, isn't it? It's ah, When he so, calls them his wives, I'm like, shut up. <sighs> shut your damn mouth. Well, <sighs> it gets worse. God, it always gets this worse. This is where we're at. We're kind of at the climax worse. now, okay? We're kind of like at that point where it gets the worst of the worst, okay? We're getting to the, the killy part. The oh, not so no. nice killy part. So November 21st, 1992. This is all the same fucking year. Like so much has happened. What a in year. just 
this short 10 month span. So much. So November 21st, uh, Charles says that his dad comes over and he's just like pissed for no reason. <laughs> yeah, sounds right. Like normal. Right. And he tells the kids, he's like, get your guns, get ready to fight. You see anybody come on this property, then you better shoot to kill kind of thing. And if you don't kill okay. them, I'll kill you kind of thing. So. Scary. He has them barricade the house. Like every window and door is barricaded. Like he had them nailing like wood uh, slats over. They were preparing for the zombie apocalypse. Exactly. It's not like just pushing furniture up, which I'm sure they probably did. But like they right. seriously were nailing boards up and they were like readying themselves around the house like snipers to kill people. I, I What so, a family day. You're wondering what they're preparing for, right? Because, like, yeah. something something obviously was, like, starting in the works before this. Eddie fucking called the police department, cursing them out, saying, I'm not leaving. This is my land. This is my house. This is my family. I'm in charge here. We're going to have a fucking standoff. This little bitch told on himself? <laughs> Pretty much. He asked for the fight. He wanted people to die. Oh, at this point, did the cops even know that he was over there visiting every night? I don't think that they knew because, he like, they hadn't tried to, yeah, they hadn't tried to, like, remove him. Because none of the kids are talking, again, because they're under his control. Estella Mae's not reporting it, you know? It's just... Right. He just... Super dumb. He wanted a fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my God. Um. So, police immediately evacuate their street. Everybody that lives on that street is out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, Eddie tells them, anybody that comes to this house, you shoot him in the head, I don't care. Kill him. Shoot to kill. So, the standoff lasted for two days. <gasps> two days? Yeah. A deputy calls Eddie and actually talks him down. Oh. Was not expecting that. If you can believe that there wasn't there wasn't bloodshed, there huh. wasn't not on this day, not one, no, two two full days, not one person died, no. Wow. Okay. I think Didn't they knew how coming. serious the threat was, you know, and they knew like pretty quickly on that, like, oh, the kids have been brainwashed again, and they have like automatic rifles. Yeah. So they were <laughs> pretty tiptoey with this whole thing. So, oh, last for good. two days, a deputy calls, a deputy calls Eddie, talks him down, you know, and he, he surrenders. He mm -hmm. also bonds out. I don't know how. I don't know I'm what sorry. his bond was set at, but apparently he could, he could chuck the change. How, why did he even have a bond? That's what I'm thinking. You, like, tried to kill police officers. There were so <laughs> many laws there were so many laws broken. He Say more. vocally said he wanted to kill multiple people and would kill multiple people. Mm -hmm. Why in the fuck was he allowed to have a bond? Good question. It was the 90s. We're not, we're not at the killy part yet. We're getting I, there. Uh, so he bonds out. He goes back to the house. Mm. He's still paranoid about the government. Of course. I don't know what it is about like these culty leaders or whatever that are like, the government's out to get me. The government doesn't fucking care unless you hurt people. Like, <laughs> the funny thing is, is like, literally, that's all my case is next week. Okay. Literally. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
So he's so upset with police. He loads the family and all of their weapons into a trailer, like a travel Mm. trailer. Okay. What could go wrong? And he takes them. So they're in Ohio. Remember this. They're in Ohio. He takes them to Florida. Whoa. Okay. That's a, that's a trek. Yeah. It's called Hillsboro River State Park is where they end up. Okay. And so they're, they're down there kind of like camping out, staying low, trying to like all stay together still. With a bunch of weapons. And they think they can escape it being across state lines, you know? Mm-hmm. Not, not so, such luck. So yeah. they, when I say that they've gathered the family, I mean even like his wives, like Michelle, Pixie, Sherry. Nuh-uh. And their he kids. Went and picked all of them up too? Mm-hmm. Oh my and, gosh. And they're, you know, if they were married, took their spouse too. So Joel is there. No. In the midst of them, like, kind of setting up and having this, like, chaotic, like, what are we going to do next plan? Uh, Pixie's youngest child, the third child, his name is Skipper. Uh, Skipper was a baby and he was just crying because babies cry, you know? He's probably hungry or something. That's what they do. Eddie was angry, like, you know, he's on this rampage about what they're going to do next. He's getting pissed off and he's, like, telling Pixie, shut the child up. This is, I can't handle this right now. So she places Mm. a hand over his mouth Mm -mm. and Pixie accidentally kills Skipper. Oh. You have to know that a baby's sinuses are quite small. They are So the amount of oxygen that they could get is probably very limited. Yeah. uh, If not able to breathe through their mouth. Yeah. So... She realizes, she she didn't mean to do this, but she realizes what's happened. She's screaming. She's just like inconsolable. She's killed her child, you know. And so her brothers put Skipper's body in a duffel bag with his pacifier. Uh -uh. And Charles in the interview says he gets extremely emotional talking about how him and Willie were forced to bury the duffel bag. And like he's shown pictures of the the bag and of the clothes that Skipper was wearing. And he was like, I'll never forget those clothes. I'll never forget any of that. I'll never oh. forget my nephew and like how horrible I still feel about the whole situation. Shut up. Oh my gosh. They did re- they did recover the body. Um police that, did. Thankfully. So he, he oh. was uh, you know, properly taken buried. care of after that. But yeah. Yeah. Oh my um, gosh. But in the meantime, what's happening is that Charles and Willie are forced to bury the baby by Eddie, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, while this is all happening, Joel is angry because he's like, that's my son. And like, he needs to, we need to take his body to the police station and we need to like have a real burial. And like, this is not right. He's a good person. Doesn't that show? He really he does. Wants, he like, loves that baby. Yeah, and he wants to do the right thing. And exactly. Joel's a good person. No Ugh. doubt about that. So he's yelling at Eddie pretty much like him and Eddie are going at it. And Eddie had actually told Joel that Skipper was not his child, that it was his child <gasps> a few days like prior, which pissed him off. And he's like, no, 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 this, no, he's mine. Like, I, it just made him angry, but he refused to believe it. He was like, Skipper is mine. That's my boy. Yeah. I can understand him. For sure. Refusing to believe it. Yeah. And you know what? I say Skipper was Joel's. He was the only father figure 
probably exactly. the only good dad. In any of those kids' lives, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't say that any of them were, I don't consider Eddie the father to any of those kids. No. So. He, he was the regrettable sperm donor. For sure, for sure. So, you know, Eddie and Joel are screaming match kind of thing. And Eddie's like, calm the fuck down. You know, I'll take care of this. So he's like, yeah. he takes Charles aside and he's like, let's replace Skipper. Oh. Because that's the logical thing to do for a grieving God. mother. Because he's like, Pixie won't stop crying and he can't handle it. He's like, let's get her another one. I, the, the, I Pretty much. Where the fuck are you going to pick up a, a another baby? Babies R Us does not sell actual babies, Eddie. Well, Eddie was just thinking that he could steal it from his eldest son, Eddie Lee Jr. No. So. He, I, I, uh, this man. So he takes uh, Willie and Charles to Eddie Jr.'s house and... Charles says, he goes up to the door. His dad is like, I need you to take this gun, go up to the door. Uh-uh. As soon as your brother answers, shoot him in the head, take the baby. Because Eddie apparently, Eddie Jr. had just had a child, like that was, I guess, a couple months old. So oh he's like, this is perfect. I'll just replace her infant with another one. So Charles said, you know, he's walking up to the door and he's like, please don't answer, please don't answer. Because he was like, I was going to do it. I was going to shoot him in the head because if I didn't, you know, Dad would probably kill me. Exactly. So, I mean, he's fully under his control. So, he knocks on the door. Thank goodness. Oh, my God. Eddie Jr. does not answer the door. So, now that happened, they left. A baby is not stolen, and his eldest still alive. I... I that took you on a roller Eddie, coaster. That was a roller coaster. My body's like, oh, I don't like that. I know, um, I know. I want Eddie to fall dick first into a field of cactuses because that's good. Yeah, right. I, I just dick I, first, dick first, boner. What and all. dick? He's not a man. No, <laughs> I just yeah. I you have the thought. I'm just going to kill my own child and steal their baby. Steal my grandchild to give it to my daughter, who is my wife. Like, is this not the weirdest, like, fuckery in all the cosmos? What is this? So, my brain is mush at this point. Me too. This whole thing has just been very, (laughs) I feel like my my brain melted out of my ears a long time ago. And this is real life. This is a real story. It is. is These are real people. Yeah. Uh, So, after he doesn't answer, they just abandon that plan for trying to replace Skipper. Uh, they go back to the campground in Florida. But Joel is just so distraught. Right. He lost his son. He's And his wife is suffering. You know, he's like trying to comfort her. It's just not happening. Everything's stupid. Everything's dumb and horrible. So Eddie takes Willie Mm-mm. to the side. Willie, an impressionable type of person as it has been. Oh, w- Willie was the one that they thought had a, a some kind of learning disability. They thought both Joel and Willie R- Right, were but I mean, out of impaired. their sons, out of their yes, children, out of theirs, Willie, Willie was the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears> so um, he tells, Eddie takes Willie to side. He's like, we need to put, we need to put Joel to sleep because he's very upset. So, in order for this to happen, I I need you to choke him until he goes limp, okay? 
And Willie doesn't want to do this. Willie's, Willie knows that this feels wrong and is bad and he doesn't want to do this. So he may be like mentally handicapped in some way, but he's not But he knows right from wrong. Right. Yeah. Like he, he has a moral compass, unlike exactly. his father. So he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And so Eddie puts a gun to his head and says, you're going to do it. <gasps> he put a gun to his own son's head. And what are you going to do? You know, that's your dad. You're going to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And your life is being threatened. <gasps> oh, my God. So Charles said that he watched as Willie, like, reluctantly put a rope around Joel. Like, Joel had turned away. Like, they were out in the woods. They walked out in the woods because he was like, let's go regroup men, you know? So uh-huh. he takes the guys out there. And then while Joel is, like, turned away... Willie puts the rope around his neck and he chokes him to death. And Charles helped to bury Joel as well. So not only has he buried his nephew, but now his brother-in-law, who was a good person and a friend. Yes, I... Okay, Eddie's a little pussy-ass bitch. That he's getting all of his kids to do all of his fucking dirty work. Every goddamn he never did time, anything. instead of doing it him damn self. If you're yeah. God, like you say you are, then like do it your damn self, motherfucker. I mm, strike somebody down yourself, right? With your mighty God mind power, do it. You're do it. all you're almighty. Yeah, uh, stupid ass idiot. I, I hate him. So um, they they buried Joel, but in January. Of 1994. Police arrested the parents on several charges to do with kidnapping, and everybody oh. was taken in for questioning. There we go. And um, Charles was granted full immunity if he could tell them where Skipper and Joel were. Oh. And he did. He led oh, them right yeah. to where they were, told them the whole story of what happened. He was very forthcoming because he didn't want any part of this. Unfortunately, Willie was sentenced to 25 years. What the fuck? Even though he was Under definitely duress. coerced, manipulated, controlled by someone else and was threatened within his, then into his life, you know? That's fucked up. I don't know That's how it happened. Up. I don't know how they came to this conclusion, but he was sentenced to 25 years. Pixie was sentenced to six years. Excuse me? Kind of don't understand that either. Like, I understand she was the the person that technically ended her child's life. But given the circumstance and knowing who Eddie is, I feel like they should have taken into consideration that she did not mean to kill this child. She was trying desperately to get the child to stop screaming for fear of Eddie. Yeah. Because Eddie could... Not only like for her own sake, but what if he tries to hurt Skipper? You know, she's probably yes. thinking like, shut up so he doesn't hurt you or me, you know? Like, uh-huh. That, I feel like that was probably her mindset. I, I can understand six years taking into consideration all of that because it was still, it was still a death that you caused by your hand, whether it was accident or not. And there has to be some kind of repercussions. For, for sure. That. And for I, sure. And I get that. I just don't I just don't get why Willie got 25 years and she only Say got more. six. That's what I don't get. Willie should not have gotten, especially like he should have been given a mental evaluation 
uh, mental, like cognitive ability to see where he sits and take that into consideration if that wasn't done. Unfortunately, it's the 90s and they still are not super like up to mm-hmm. par with mental health. So that never <sighs> I, happened, you know? That pisses me off that he got 25 years. And the pictures of him in the courtroom, it's just like... <sighs> Devastating. Why? Why did you put him in this situation? I don't know. But I am glad that Charles was granted immunity. Yeah, and I agree know. with I agree with that. I um, think decision. him and Willie should have both been afforded that same opportunity. That, that's exactly what I was about to say. Estella, Estella was charged with several counts of child abuse, child neglect, got 22 years. Okay. I don't know how you're feeling about her at this point. I draw the line at him sexually assaulting my children. So like, I, and I am a childhood sexual assault survivor. And so I can't, knowing what I know, knowing what I've been through, that, and like, it is nothing compared to what these poor girls went through. Like nothing. But still, still just as valid. I can, I can't see how you as a parent could sit there and like, there's no good excuse. I'm sorry. Like, no, no. Like, not even like, how are you going to, you know, pay for this or that? I can understand that being concerned, but it's not an excuse to not get the fuck away from this person or turn them in and get help. I, I, I don't see how you sit beside that and let it happen. And she did let it happen. She is culpable. And so I am not. I was going to say, as much as a victim, I feel like she's an enabler in a lot of ways. Yeah, she was an adult. She was a fully formed adult. And like, yes, she she was a victim in many ways. But she had And she would have put herself in danger by -hmm. helping her kids. But like, I feel like that's worth it because it's your kids. It's your kids. You You have the cognitive ability to see the nuances of what's going on. And you have options available to you because you are an adult. The kids do not. And you didn't take those options. And so you deserve every one of those years. Anderson, it's in my opinion. It's just my opinion. So, Eddie, Eddie, I just wanted to quote him on this because it's just... <laughs> I have no idea where this is going. It's too good. It's too good. I, I pulled from a newspaper article, but what Sexton says really bothered him about the trial was that they were talking about him. Even his own attorney called him delusional. I know how Christ felt on the cross, Sexton of 52 said in a jailhouse interview. He was condemned to death for something he'd never done. Shut your damn mouth. He (laughs) compared himself (laughs) to Jesus Christ. I'd love to see nails go through your wrist, buddy. Right? I'd love that. (laughs) He compared himself to Jesus on the cross. I know. But trust me, they, they weren't buying it. They weren't like playing into this game of his. So 56-year-old father of 12, who authorities say controlled his children with years of incest and horrific abuse, sat passively in a wheelchair in the courtroom, nodding his head when the judge delivered the sentence. Two months earlier, the jury had convicted him and recommended the death penalty by a vote of eight to four. And Sexton just said, you know, that's life. That's just life. <laughs> That's just okay. Uh. On rem- 
remand, remand? I don't know how to say that word. (laughs) From the Florida Supreme Court for a new trial, Sexton was found guilty of first-degree murder. That's, uh, that happened in September of 1998. Okay. So, yeah. So he got, he got two trials. I'm assuming he got got a trial. Got two different ones, yeah. And then got a new trial. Okay. Again, the jury advised the death penalty and that he was guilty. Yeah. So, Sexton was sentenced to death on November 18th of 1998. During an hour-long conversation after this sentencing hearing, in an interview, Sexton said that he he had an IQ of 160. First, like, he oh, just, like, nah, added that you, in there. No, nah, you didn't, motherfucker. But then he was like, I don't think I got convicted on the evidence. I got convicted on the accusations of sexual abuse and eating fetuses and so forth. So, like, you know, all those occult practices. Yeah. There was, like, nothing proved about eating. Yeah. Anything, but... uh, I guess he assumed that people were saying he ate fetuses. I think maybe they were just pulling out all the stops saying, like, he did all of these, like, satanic rituals and he ate fetuses and animals. and Yeah. You know what? I believe him. He slit a cat's throat and drank their blood. There's not much more I wouldn't believe coming out of anyone's mouth about them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he was never actually killed. He died of natural causes as well as Estella while in prison, serving their sentences. Because as you know, being on death row, it's not like... It takes forever. I think Japan is the one that, if in, in most places in Japan, if you're sentenced to death, they'll just do it immediately. It's like within days. It's yeah. like, boom, you're out. Other countries, they'll just like get to it. I don't know why we like take so long to get there. I think it's because, I don't know, I'm guessing, but like, I think it's because... It's such a controversial issue for so many people here That's in America true. that like... And a lot you, of people have their cases. Exactly. We have to do the di- due diligence of giving people the opportunity. Like it's their rights to be able to appeal. And, you know, and there are people, this is what, this is what I struggle with the death penalty is there are people that are found guilty and sentenced to death who are actually innocent. And it's yeah. proven later on. And that's sure. the problem I have with the death penalty. And also that like some some people like just want the death penalty for their crimes. And I'm like, no, you need to st- sit in jail because you're going to suffer more sitting in, in a yeah. jail cell. Personally, I don't believe in the death penalty, period. Yeah. I do acknowledge that there are some evils that cannot be rehabilitated or restored. I just don't find that it's our place. I think it's our place to give life and not take it. Mm -hmm. I can see that. from me. But it doesn't mean that I approve of anybody's crimes. It's just that I don't think violence on top of violence is going to make anything right. It doesn't give justice to anybody. I, I don't know. I can understand choosing like Put sentencing somebody to death can oh based I understand off of it fully. I, I can I can understand it, but I don't know that I would be able to put myself in that position like on a jury mm. if it was a death a death sentence trial I'd be like from jury selection day one I can't be impartial like <laughs> yeah I can't nope. do that <laughs> let me so just about, don't <laughs> if it wasn't if it wasn't a death sentence trial I th- I could be impartial but if, I I 
I, I, I would struggle so hard knowing, like knowing that your decision eventually led to the death of a person. It's, yeah, it's a lot. Like government sanctioned death, but still it's a death. In the midst of, I know I'm skimming over like the trials and stuff, but uh, all of the children were sexually assaulted. All of them were physically beaten. All of them. So boys and girls. Ew. Oh my God. Just so you know that. um, And a lot of the kids testified. And that's how we know it's true. (sighs) So, but also... Let's talk about Charles for just a brief moment um, to give us a light at the end of the tunnel here. Yes. So Charles is who I've quoted mostly throughout this whole whole case. Mm -hmm. Charles, obviously, not feeling too hot about himself, even though he was granted immunity. Right. Um, He still had to live with the things that he had done. Yeah. Involuntarily done, but still. So. He said that, you know, he did try to kill himself with a gun, but the gun did not discharge. Wow. And so, I mean, he really, he was not, he he was loathing himself and his life. How and could things. you not? Like, I feel like that's so oh, natural yeah. to feel guilty. and I don't blame yeah. him for feeling that way at all. So he said when the gun didn't discharge, he knew that God had a better plan for him. And he was right because he is now like in his 40s, 50s, and he has been married for a while. He has kids and he's doing better. Oh, that makes my heart so happy. He's living a much better life. So even though you can tell in the interview how much he still carries with him, I feel like he was able to give himself a little bit of grace so that he can move forward and make a better life. So um, that is the good news. I can't find anything on the other kids. And I don't really okay. want to. I was about to say, that's I don't think good, we though. need it. Like, you know? No. We can hope that they have a better life. Their abuser is dead, and that's good enough. And, and we can uh, just rest in the, the power and peace knowing that Joel and Skipper did deserve better and that in their next life, they'll, they'll get that. And they're not hurting. So. I will say on this case, like I went in my, I know, I know you, you see differently, but in my opinion, I, there's so much evidence that like, if a death sentence is justified, in my opinion, like this would be the case. Like he's no, a yeah. vile person. And like, I know this is like so inhumane, but like, <laughs> fuck my tax dollars going to feed you and house you. And no, yeah. I just, no. Yeah, it's no. annoying for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, it's, and like Charles said in the interview, he was like, I, I'm mad that he got to die naturally in his sleep. Yeah. Apparently he died in his sleep. No way. That's so fucked. I know. No, no cancer. No, like, nut cancer. <laughs> I mean, that been if good. anyone should get it, it should be him. And they should no, like, you're right. yeah. literally just decay off his body. <sighs> if only if only he could be so lucky. But yeah, he, he was pissed about that. But I mean, at least at least he's gone. He can't hurt them anymore. He can't control them anymore. And like that part of their life is dead now. So I hope all of them are doing well. If this podcast reaches any of them, you got to yeah. know none of that abuse is your fault. 
you're doing good and things are better now. You're safe. And if you're not in therapy, therapy is your friend. Go to therapy. Good Lord, stay in it forever. Just like me. <laughs> I know. I love therapy. It's so good. It's so good. Some kind of therapy service. Sponsor us. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on that on that note, let's do our palate cleansers because let's do we it. definitely need them after today's episode because holy shit balls. I know. Um, and I do want to say really quick, I know we'll probably eventually at some point people will say that it's insensitive that we say the palate cleansers after telling these stories. The oh. reality is that these stories are very heavy. And I, as a trauma recovery coach, I do not leave my clients in a state of like upheaval when we Mm -hmm. do a session. If they are worked up and they are triggered, even if it's a little bit, I want to do something with them that helps them come down before I just ditch them and leave them in our sessions. And so I feel like in a way, that's what our palate cleansers are. It lets your mind kind of refocus on something else that's more positive or silly or downright just mundane to get your mind off of what we just talked about. It doesn't diminish the story that we've Mm -mm. told. It doesn't take away from it. It, it, it's still just as important. It's not just for you guys. It's also for us too. Yeah. It's it's like, so that we can continue to tell these stories. Yeah. This can be a lot on on a researcher. So yeah, I enjoy yeah. getting to just like come back down, mm-hmm. <laughs> come back down yeah, from all exactly. this anger and all this like passion for sharing a victim story kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, exactly. Do you want to go first on yours? Sure. So my palate cleanser last night at dinner, we had one of the best conversations with my kids about God. It shut up. I'm not kidding. It was so good. And it got brought up because my middle child was like, people who believe in God celebrate Christmas. People who don't believe in God celebrate Hanukkah. And like, why don't we celebrate Hanukkah? And I was like, okay, like she's confused. Okay. (laughs) So I was like, we need to kind of talk about this. So I just told her, what my in-laws believe. Like they are still Christian and believe in Jesus yeah. and God and, and everything like that. So it's like, they believe in that. Shout out to mommy the in-laws. Doesn't, <laughs> yeah. Uh, mommy doesn't believe in God, but I was like, I'm more of like, I don't really know. Like, I don't know if there's a God. I don't know if there isn't. I'm I'm kind of like, hmm. but I focus more on being a good person and being kind and being loving. And then my kids were like, but what does daddy believe? And my husband just went like, super awkward because he's like never really voiced where he's at um, because he's still he's still on his journey and so in Christianity there's such black and white answers for everything for sure and on this journey there's not and so he gets like he feels weird about being like I don't know where I stand and I have to reassure him that like that's a valid answer and that's okay to tell your kids I don't know and so he just he he shared with them, I don't know where I stand. I was raised in a Christian home um, to believe in God, but there's some things that we have been taught or that, we, that I've learned that contradict things. And I, I'm I'm just not really sure. And my kids were like, yeah, that's cool. And we got to talk about like, if other people have different faiths, what that could look like. Yeah, We talked about like, if you want to believe in something one day, go for it. But we talked about like not being like uh, pushed into believing something out of fear. 
Yeah. If somebody yeah. is trying to get you to believe something and saying that like, oh, this bad thing's going to happen if you don't, then that's not a good thing to step into because you should step into your beliefs with positivity and love and, and you know, a firm foundation. And we talked about acceptance and not putting other people's, you know, religious beliefs down if like you're in conversation with them. And it was, it was just, a, it was a really good conversation. I was so happy. I love that. And, That's yeah. how every spiritual conversation should go when like your kids are learning about mm-hmm. spirituality and what that can mean for them. So yeah, I love that. And, and naturally they want to do what mommy and daddy do, right? That, that just, Of course. You know, so my middle child was like, yeah, I don't believe either, just like you guys. <laughs> and so my, my husband reiterated that like, you don't really know if, and she was like, yeah, you're right. I don't know. And he's like, okay, so that's a better way to say it is like, I don't know. And maybe something will happen in the future that something changes and you do believe in something and that's okay. We we use the anecdote about, I use the anecdote, my husband's a believer in Bigfoot and I am not. Well, okay, correction. He believes that Bigfoot could have existed. He's like an agnostic Bigfoot believer. Like it could exist. It could not exist. And so I'm like, there's no way in hell Bigfoot ever existed. So we talked about that and how we're very (laughs) different and that's okay. Like we have different opinions. And that was what I used. I thought it was funny, but we're just like reassuring to them like, it's okay with whatever you want to believe in the future. We wanted to give them spiritual autonomy. Yes. And I'm like, I love that we, we we're doing that. And what it just, a good opportunity. It makes my heart so happy. Yes. They ha- they're starting out on a healthy spiritual path of curiosity yes. and kindness. Isn't that good? Yes. Put that on a fucking t-shirt. Yes. TM. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you ready for mine? All right. What's yours? I'm ready for yours. Okay. Yours? So I'm reading the series, The Shadow Bound Queen by Eliza Rain. I highly recommend. Mm. It is four books long. I'm not done with it quite yet. I probably will be by the time this episode comes out, though. Oh, yeah. But, oh, my God. It's got the good smut. It's got the good storyline. And it's got a lot of pining. (laughs) So I am enjoying that very much. And I highly recommend it to any of my readers out there, smut reader or Mm. not. It's just, it's a great read. So. I, if you had been following this podcast from the beginning, then you know that Lola had recommended A Court of Thorn and Roses to me. And I am reading it. It's a long book. They're like 12, 13 hour long. They're so novel. good. Oh my God. Um, I need you to get I'm, to the book too. <laughs> that's the first one. And I'm on it. I'm, I only have like a couple hours left of the book. She's got to hurry. She's got to hurry. I already bought the second one with my new credit. I already Thank bought God. Second, so jump into it. But they're so good. I'm not going to make love it. Them. Oh, I they're could, so good. Once you get to book two, once you finish it, I just know we're going to be on the same page about everything in life. <laughs> like everything, spiritually, romantically, friendship, anything, <laughs> bills, taxes will be in the same. We are, we same are going court. to come together. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's funny. Anyway, read a smut yeah. book tonight. <laughs> yes. Take your mind off of it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was today's episode and I'm going to come at you Next week with a, a very crazy, we're going to get into some crazy governmental conspiracy shenanigans. So, and it's a very pretty recent case. So it's a very pretty recent. I love that. Yeah. I like that. Anyways, we will see you guys next week. Have a good day. Good evening. Good night. Good morning. Whenever you're listening to this, drink water. Do the good things. Yeah. Be nice to yourself.
yeah, enjoy life and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, we would always love for you to rate, subscribe, review, because it helps us out here in this world and your help helps us get some more deals. I help you, you help me help you, okay? This Choircast podcast is produced by Lacey Bean and Lola Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.